Welcome to the Real Estate Survival Guide, the show that teaches realtors how to create a thriving real estate business. Welcome to today's episode of the Real Estate Survival Guide podcast. I'm your host, John Shookman, and I am so thankful to have you with me for today's episode. A huge thank you to Jennifer Harshman and Harshman Services for sponsoring today's podcast episode. I'm so thankful for the team at Harshman Services for being a part of helping my business and for sponsoring the podcast. Let's jump into today's episode. Welcome to today's episode and today's interview. So excited to have you guys with me and excited to have Jonathan Keel. So Jonathan is the founder of Even Keel LLC, an independent fee-only registered investment advisor located in Lancaster, PA, who specializes in tax-aware and value-aligned investing. Even Keel serves clients locally and across the U.S. And Jonathan and his wife. So they are actually our neighbors two doors down. So it's been cool to get to know them a little bit. They've got young kids and we have young kids. And um, just Jonathan's story and mine are very similar in, in terms of like when we became business owners, and I'll let him get into that. Um, and so it's been cool to get to know them. And uh, Jonathan's doing great work for his clients. He's been uh, helping Val and I as well with financial advising questions. And I think it's so interesting because there were so many, it's just like real estate guys in, in certain ways. Like I I knew nothing. And I think Jonathan's done a, done a good job of like, there's, there's no stupid questions, like ask all the questions. So I think he does a good job of that. So Jonathan, thanks so much. Thanks for all your help with all our finance questions that we've had. And thanks for coming on the podcast. I'm excited to have you here today. Yeah. Thanks, John. Appreciate being here. And uh, you guys make it easy because when you're as hyper as aggressive as you guys are with with getting the finance thing figured out, that's the kind of uh, those are the kind of clients and people that that we love to work with. Well, I appreciate it, man. And tell us more. Right. Tell us about your journey. I know I briefly said that our journeys in, are similar in terms of like timing when we became you know self-employed working for ourselves. But kind of tell us, talk us through the career path to becoming like an investment advisor you know, where you worked before, if you're able to share company name or just what you did, and then just kind of the journey that you've kind of been on to today. Sure. Well, it's been um, a, a very circuitous uh, route to get to this point. Um, out of high school, I started, uh, I went to a two-year trade school um, and it was in the watchmaking industry. So it was a, a Rolex-sponsored uh, trade school. And it was one of those things where I kind of did it because I was graduating high school and needed to take a next step and didn't really know what that uh, what that should look like or what I wanted that to look like. Um, and so I went through that two-year school that was right here in Lidditz, Pennsylvania, and really enjoyed the work that I did there and ended up uh, staying in the watch industry, working um, for Rolex, uh, if you've heard the name before, um, for about uh, 14 years, both directly and indirectly. And it was towards, um, let's say, I believe 2016, when I started to look at, you know, is this really what I want my, you know, uh, career to, to look like? So I was approaching my mid thirties and so we could call it midlife crisis, I guess, but approaching my <laughs> mid thirties and just looking at, okay, I'm 35 ish. Do I want to spend another 35 ish years, you know, doing this? And every time I asked myself that question, it was decidedly no. Um, mm -hmm. even though I had a, you know, fulfilling career um, towards the end of it, you know, there was, you know, it was a very corporate environment, very industrial age kind of mindset with the, they called it sequential system, but very almost like 
it was ver- a very um, assembly line type mm-hmm. uh, business. So I was more in the the training side of things, um, and then really enjoyed the the educational aspect of, uh, of that, and mm-hmm. and helping train the employees. But uh, things kind of came to a head towards the end of that, and um, I met with a, a really good career counselor and and talked about you know different options, and ultimately decided to make the move into the financial industry because it, it seemed like a good fit for both my um, interests and strengths and um, joined a great um, investment advisory firm locally, worked for them for a couple of years, and then ultimately decided that I wanted to to branch out and, and work on my own. And the main reason for that was just being able to make decisions mm-hmm. that were uh, the best for my family and my, and my career. I said recently to my wife, who's also an entrepreneur, that like for the first time in the past you know couple of years, that I feel like I'm living the career that I want as opposed to living or fulfilling a career that someone else has envisioned for me, and and so that was that was the really the the main drive in me going independent and, and starting my own firm. What I love about what you just said is like you just said, oh, well, you kind of had an assembly line process where you were working and you kind of wanted to do your own thing. And it's so funny because for realtors listening to this, I think even when they deal with clients, you know, there's big teams around Lancaster and some of them work for my company. So I never name them because they do a good job. But what I find is like or as a realtor, I don't put clients on a conveyor belt. Right. I want a personal relationship from the beginning to the end. And it seems like almost for you in the finance industry, you've been able to do that same thing. Right. If you worked with a client, you know, at Rolex before it was this is the way it gets done and this is what we do and this is the next step and this is finally buying the watch or whatever it is right now. And I think even meeting with you about, you know, finances and things like that you kind of have said, now you've given advice, but you're kind of like, this is your journey. Right. And so I think you've done a good job of one letting the customer decide what they want to do. Right. I even said to you when we were doing the Dave Ramsey thing, like paying off our house, you were like, you knew right at a two and a half interest rate, you knew that the numbers didn't make sense, but no, but like, I think you supported and said, I know your heart is in this. I know you guys want to do this and you want to follow his plan. You didn't say, no, that's stupid. Don't do that. And I think that's a good lesson for clients of like, we have to guide, like the client is the boss. Right. And I, I kind of portray it as like, you know, I say to real estate clients all the time, I'm like, you go to Walmart, you're picking stuff off the shelf and putting it in your cart. I'm not telling you what I want in your cart. And so have you found that to create success in your business, you know, as you know, financial advising with people like, you know, is that how you gain clients by kind of saying like, hey, I'm, I'm here to guide, but I'm going to let you do what you want to do? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the, I would say, it was very intentional on my part to focus on values. Um, so even, you know, I list two things that I, that I focus on with my practice and that is uh, tax efficiency, which naturally who doesn't want to save in taxes mm-hmm. um, or t- tax awareness, and then also value aligning values uh, with investments or investing. And so values define personal goals um, or as I like to say, personal benchmarks, um, and then those goals or personal benchmarks define your success. Um, and so I, I, I found that it's a great way to interact with clients because like, like the story that you shared, paying off your mortgage. Yeah, mathematically, it doesn't make a ton of sense when you've got such a low interest rate. Um, you could take that money, put it in the market or put it in another investment and, and make more than two and a half percent realistically. Mm-hmm. 
But the, the thing, and, I, and even Dave Ramsey, because you've gone through his program, I, I think he says this, and there's studies that back it up, 90% of financial decisions are based off emotion. They're not based off of math or logic. And so as a financial advisor, working with clients and, and realizing that, um, I can sit there and beat you over the head with, the mat, with math all day long, but it's not going to matter if it's not in alignment with your values. And so you have to balance the two. And, and, and really, that's where the, the values part uh, comes in for, for me working with clients. Yeah. Tell us more. I mean, I know because we've talked. I mean, I remember we saw each other outside in 2020 and we're like, yep, we can't meet with clients. We can't do this. How did um, you know how you know your business just getting started on your own, like you had gone out on your own? How did you kind of get through COVID and and how did you adjust to say, okay, this is kind of the new normal? How am I gonna meet with clients who are either sick or elderly? Like what were kind of I I feel like in my business. I tried to do some things intentionally, like I had mortgage Mondays with a lender and I would meet clients on Zoom. I would have, you know, and I felt like I was still doing the work, even though I was kind of stuck at home and then in mask and all that. How did you kind of find that maybe, you know, as terrible as COVID was, that maybe it benefited your business by allowing you to use technology to connect with your clients? Yeah, I would say that um, COVID was actually one of the big, biggest things that pushed me to uh, towards my own business. Mm-hmm. So my my business started um, actually in 2021 is when I officially right. started. But you know, COVID being in 2020 and moving to very much a forced um, or necessary virtual meeting system was was one of the uh, things that kind of opened my eyes to to think. Well, you know, I could do this, and I was doing it from home, mm-hmm. um, meeting with existing clients. Um, I could do this on my own. I don't need an office space. Um, I don't need the overhead or an office, a physical office space to communicate to clients, you know, proficiency and technical ability. So um, that was one of the biggest things that pushed me into looking at, at going independent. So yeah, so meeting with clients um, virtually kind of opened my eyes to that, uh, that possibility. Um, and so then going into 2021, things had opened up a little bit, but it had also kind of uh, created an expectation on the part of clients that this is this is the new normal or can be the new normal. And so um, when I left my firm and started, uh, started my own firm, um, I took just a handful of clients with me. I was able to, to negotiate a deal with, with my existing firm. And so they kind of built like they built the foundation, um, and then it was really just tapping into those uh, online organizations that that provided leads for me, and uh, really kind of leaning into those that uh, those clients that were willing to to meet virtually. Um, so I, I have a very flexible client base. I mean, we meet virtually. Um, I have <laughs> I have clients as far away as Hawaii. We uh, switch time difference can create you know, an interesting obstacle, but, um, mm-hmm. we meet virtually, I meet in person, you know, we will meet up at a, at a local restaurant if people are comfortable with that I also do, uh, I also meet at people at clients' homes. So that flexibility has really kind of, uh, uh, opened up a lot of doors in my business and also just COVID kind of creating a new, uh, new normal for clients as far as how they meet with advisors has also has been a big advantage for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's so interesting. I, I think, I mean, I even think in real estate, right? I never would have, and this isn't like, I would never would have had a 60, 70 year old client 
three years ago, be willing to talk on Zoom. But now they've kind of expected like, oh, this is just what we do. You know, I think a lot of them are like, oh, we'll jump on Zoom. And I was thinking like, oh, I mean, that's easier for me. So I don't even say no, (laughs) because it almost is like, oh, yeah, I can just go upstairs to the to the office and get that done. So it is interesting how COVID has changed it in some ways for the better. Um, Tell us, I want to get into, you know, advice to um, realtors and advice to like people with inconsistent income, because you're very, you know, you're you're great at financial planning and suggestions on things like that. Um, But tell us you and your wife, right? You guys have a few kids. How the heck do you balance it all with all the demands of work, um, a busy home life? Um, Tell us more about that. What balance? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, that has been probably you know the biggest challenge uh, because yeah. it's so easy to get to get pulled away from from work. First thing I did was was to actually build an office space for myself. Um, mm-hmm. Renovated a portion of the house, uh, created an office space, soundproofed it as much as possible, locked you know door with a lock on it. <laughs> that you know that has been that has been extremely important as far as just a place to escape to. So as an entrepreneur, you know, the, the tendency is to, to just pour every resource into building the business. And I wanted to be very aware when I, when I started that that was not, you know, the route that I wanted to take. So I very intentionally um, started with a philosophy of building a lifestyle business. Mm-hmm. Um, and because my wife was working, I had the, the luxury of, you know, because she had an established business of not having to go through like hyper growth. Um, mm-hmm. And so I have been able to be very selective in who I take on as clients, um, really kind of focus on creating a philosophical or having a philosophical fit with those clients and not just a, you know, financial, you know, assets fit. But um, in light of that, I have been very intentional in there are going to be days where I work long hours. Um, I might have an evening meeting. Mm -hmm. And so blocking off my calendar um, to offset that, that time has been extremely important. And one of those things has just been basically, I don't schedule on Fridays. So uh, Fridays are kind of family days and leading into the weekend. And that's, that's just the way that I've built a balance into it because it's so easy. It's so easy to be imbalanced with being an entrepreneur. And so just anytime there's, there is an imbalance that I see coming up, like, Hey, I've got, you know, meetings this day from maybe 7am to 7pm. Mm-hmm. Well, the next day I'm just going to block off or, or, you know, block off some time that week that we, that I don't have any meetings so that I can turn around and then spend that time with family. Mm-hmm. It's so interesting that you say that. Cause it's so hard. I think as the dad, as a, as a spouse, I'm sometimes like, Okay, you want to work to make money. Then the other part is like, you know, I remember after Liliana was born, our daughter in, uh, in um, I can't even remember how old she is, almost two now. My wife went through a ton, like a lot, and I didn't know for a few months because I was so busy working. And so I mm-hmm. think it's good advice to entrepreneurs listening to this. Like you have to balance. And I know you joked about balance. I mean, you have, right, you have four kids, so it's it's a lot. But even like prioritizing, hey, I'm going to take that family time is a, is a good, a huge lesson. Tell me about. So I think I think one of the things that set you apart to me in terms of financial advising, I've met with other people, and many of them are like, oh, well, I'm not going to do this until you have this in assets. And you didn't, right? We're not like rolling in the dough. I mean, we're we're 
well, doing well financially where we paid off the house. But, you know, you didn't say, no, you have to have a net worth of X before I work with you. You kind of said, hey, there's a plan for you where we just start this way. Why did you decide to to give clients that option? And how do you think that's kind of set you apart in your business? Um, so it kind of goes back to when I was working as a technical trainer for Rolex. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved the, the the relational aspect of working with with people, allowing seeing them kind of progress towards a, a, a career goal. And so when I started my business, I very intentionally named it Even Keel. That is definitely a pun on my last name, but it's also very intentional in that when you think about or use the visual of a boat, you know, in the water and the wake that it leaves behind it. I wanted my business to be defined by two distinct outcomes. One was relationships and one was results. Um, and so when you think about a boat, you know, the only way that you can tell whether it's whether its trajectory is true, whether it's on a true course is by the wake that it leaves behind often. So you can see the results it leaves behind. And that's, and, and what I wanted to see as I worked with people was one was results and two was relationships. So I really thought about how, how can I open my business up to people who really want to work with the financial advisor um, who may not have the traditional large amount of assets that the, you know, uh, a traditional AUM fee type financial advisor relationship requires. And so I just charge um, a lot of times if a client comes and they don't have assets to manage, I just charge a simple financial planning fee for them. And it allows me to work with people um, who may may not have had traditional access to a financial advisor. Um, and so, yeah, I think it definitely sets me apart um, in that regard. Um, but it also allows me to work with people who who I get excited to work with because they're excited to, to have the help and to, to see the progress that we're making. And, and again, focusing on those long-term relationships and, and seeing the results that we get. You know, one of the things that I would hear often working with a, a, a previous advisor was that he always asked people, tell me a number of stories rather than a, a story of numbers. You know, financial advisors are often looking at, you know, they just want to know, you know, how much do you have here? How much do you have here? How much do you have here? You know, uh, looking for that story of numbers. And, and I wanted to, to really kind of shift that and focus on a number of stories. And again, that goes back to the whole um, values-based approach, aligning values and finding a way to align values with investments and work with people who would not traditionally be have access to a financial advisor. No, and I think, and again, we appreciate it. I think it's nice to have someone that's not like, and I think I've tried to do that in real estate. That's not someone that's like, oh, you're on, you know, in real estate, I don't say, oh, you're only going to buy a hundred thousand dollar house. I don't want to work with you. No, I'm because, and I think you, I think you even said this, like, you know, the people that may not have assets now, well, as their portfolio grows, will have assets or know people with assets, right? I've gotten referrals from people that you would think are broke that want to buy or, <laughs> or either want to buy and are approved for, right? Or know somebody that wants to buy a $500,000, $600,000 house. So so I think, Jonathan, one of the things you're really good at is, again, financial planning and helping people. And when we talked about you being on the show, you kind of said, hey, I'm happy to talk about 
balancing an inconsistent income. Like what what in the world do you say to realtors, right? That some months they're going to make $30,000 like I've made it, you know, at times and other months they're going to go months without making a dime. Like how the heck, what would you be, what would you say to realtors? Like, hey, this is what you should be doing. This is how you should be planning your finances. So when we first, when we first started meeting, I think I even joked with you that a lot of like the the financial advisors that I have interacted with in the past are like run away from realtors, do not work with realtors <laughs> just because of that exact, that exact scenario where, you know, it's feast or famine sometimes. And so realtors can get into a habit of like, if they're, if they're making uh, making bank, they, they spend it. And then, uh, when they're, when they're not selling homes, then it's, then it's a real issue. Um, so I think the biggest thing you mentioned it is the fluctuating income. Um, how do you handle fluctuating income? And I, and the way to start that is, or way to start dealing with that is, uh, to, to focus on budgeting. Um, no one, no one likes the B word, but that's, that's just, that's just the way it is. And, um, so, when you focus on budgeting with fluctuating income, knowing your monthly expenses is going to be the most important thing. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's what you need to focus on because that's the amount of cash reserve you need to, to, to have. And realtors just have to have a, a higher cash reserve on hand um, than maybe someone with a W2 uh, or a regular earner. And so it's really focusing on what are our um, commitments each month financially mm-hmm. And how much to reserve do we feel comfortable with setting aside? Now I can, you know, depending on how big of a monthly expense that is, I can definitely give recommendations. But again, it goes back to that whole, you know, 90% emotion, 10% math or logic. A lot of times people have a real insecurity with feeling like they're going to run out of money. So I just tend to end up just tending to have people pad that, you know, savings account a little bit more if they have fluctuating income. But yeah, that's Jonathan. I'm yeah. laughing because I <laughs> I remember meeting with you and us talking about paying off the house and then saying we'd have like I think thirty or forty in the grant in the bank. And Val, I love her very much, and she keeps me grounded. And her being like, "Oh my gosh, we're only gonna have forty thousand dollars in the bank." And you kind of you looked over at me and then you looked back at her and you're like, "That's a lot more than many of my clients have in the bank. It's okay." <laughs> but you know, and we've had to bounce and we shared this like our Dave Ramsey journey, like I'm the spender, she's the saver, she doesn't, you know, but I think I think even you saying like, hey, you, you probably have a little much, but you guys do what's comfortable for you. I think a lot of people who do what, what you do would have said, oh, no, you should only keep 5,000 or 10,000 and give the rest of that to me to invest. But I think, again, going back to what you're saying about value based and like the relationship shows Hey, he's not just trying to make money off us. He's actually trying to guide us. I don't know if you remember. Do you remember Val saying we'd only have 40 grand in the bank? I do. I do. Yeah, I do remember that. Right. You guys are going to go broke. I mean, um, so so but but realistically, yeah. So that that just translates into how many months of expenses does that cover? So how many months would you not have to sell a home before you guys were, you know, broke? And then also the added security of having a paid for home. So mm-hmm. the bank's not going to come and take your home. Yeah, uh, yeah. So there's, there's that as well. Maybe you don't have lights or heat, but you still have your home. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'd be eating less Chick-fil-A, Jonathan. You yeah. know, you know how much I'm over there at Fruitville Pike. Um, I'd love to hear in your business and how you lead your clients. Like what does being a leader mean to you? What do you want? Have you kind of thought about what you, what you want your legacy to be? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a preloaded question. Um, but, uh, 
So I have always, um, and I forget who said this. I heard it one time at a conference I think I was at, but you know, um, leadership when it, when you boil it down, uh, is just, it's intentional influencing. And so that's, that's the way I look at it. I always, I always love the concept of servant leadership, Mm -hmm. but I think even just saying, you know, leadership is intentional influencing of others is a, is a great synopsis of, of my approach. Um, and that's really how I kind of try to approach my, my business. Obviously I don't have employees at this point, but, Mm -hmm. um, just how I handle leadership as a father, as a business owner with my clients. And I would say even more importantly, as a father, I spoke a little bit about this on my, on my last blog. Um, but when you talk about wealth legacy or when you talk about wealth building, you, you can't just talk about building wealth. You have to talk about the legacy of it and, and what's your legacy going to be. And so the Wall Street Journal ran an, an article. I don't know exactly when it was, but this uh, did a study that showed that 70% of wealth is lost uh, by the second generation Jeez. and 90% is lost by the third generation. So one of the things that I try to, to work with my clients is not just asking, okay, do you have the, do you have your heirs in place? Um, but are the heirs that you have selected prepared to receive the wealth that you have? Mm. Because I think we spend, we, we tend to spend traditionally so much time in building wealth that we tend to neglect the time in transferring philosophical wealth or values to our, to our kids and teaching them and training them how, how to handle that, that wealth. So that's the legacy that I, that I'm focused on. If I can raise good adults, I'd rather raise good adults than good kids. And so passing that legacy and that um, responsibility onto my kids is, is where I really want to see my legacy. I'm not here to build an empire, yeah, but yeah. Uh, if I can pass the, the legacy of, of financial stewardship onto my kids, I think that would be great. No, that's really good. Um, so as we close out, I'd love to, I, I love asking each guest of this. So what would be a piece of advice you could give yourself from a previous time? So maybe this is 2021, starting your own business. Maybe it's, you know, getting into financial advising. Maybe it's going way back, you know, just t- kind of tell us a time and what would be a piece of advice you would give that version of Jonathan? I would say I'm a very reluctant entrepreneur. It has always been something that interested me. I had, you know, a grandfather who was an entrepreneur, but I would always had those feelings of, oh, well, you know, I might fail, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And so I go back to, you know, working 14 years in the watch industry. And then even after switching to financial advising, working, working years as a financial advisor before I stepped out on my own. And um, I would just say, even after working with the career counselor who's, who, who said, oh, you'd be great as an entrepreneur, you'd be great working on your own, kind of walking away from that and saying, well, that's, that's a nice opinion. I'm glad he thinks highly of me, but I, I still think that I would destroy whatever I started. Hmm. Um, so I would just say to myself, don't discount your own potential hmm. uh, for, the, for the perceived safety or security of working for someone else. And, and it's natural. I mean, we, you got kids, you've got responsibilities, you know, you got that regular paycheck, you've got the, the regular uh, benefits package that comes with a W-2 income. And it's hard to step away from that and to step out and say, mm-hmm. I'm going to work for myself. I'm going to start with absolutely unknown income, no benefits whatsoever, other than within what I pay myself. 
but I, I waited years longer than probably I should have mm-hmm. to make the move. And so I would just say, don't discount uh, your own potential f- and inflate the perceived security of working for, uh, for someone else. Yeah. And, and I think that's so key for so many people. You know, they stay at a job that they don't like or they hate and they stay there too long and they say, well, I couldn't walk away. And I think especially now in this post COVID environment, if we can even call it that, you know, if, if you're an entrepreneur <laughs> listening to me and Jonathan talk about this as entrepreneurs, like I would push you and say, what's the worst that happens? If you if you're listening to this right here as we close out 2022 and you quit your job in three days, right? Like what would happen in 2023 without that income? I promise you, you basically have no choice, right? If you quit, if you walk away from the security, if you burn the ships as it is, like you kind of, you have no choice, right? But guess what? If you get to June or July and you run through your six months of reserves, there's a W-2 job that'll take you back, right? They can't, they, they, I'm sure Jonathan, you hear from them. I hear from them. They're trying to get me in there. And then I'm like, you'd have to offer me a very, very substantial package for me to consider going back to a job that I know that I'll hate. And actually, I probably wouldn't because I'd probably get fired because that's what I did. <laughs> so um, I just think but I think that don't discount your own potential is so good. Last question, and then we'll close out and you can tell people where they can kind of connect with you, find you. I know you mentioned the blog, so uh, you write some great stuff on there, email list. Um, but what would be a piece of advice for realtors to have success in 2023. And let's, you know, I ask guests this all the time, but let's even say from a financial perspective, I know so many realtors that are not investing, right? So I think one of the things you encouraged us was like, just start with something, even if it's 25 bucks. Like, so so maybe that's it, or what's just a piece of advice you would kind of encourage realtors with in the, in the new year with their business? Yeah, I would say... Um... You know, with realtors and and anybody who who has a ten, you know, is not a W two earner, or is a contract worker, you know, one of the biggest things is investing. I would say, mm-hmm. um, and and one of the biggest things is that you lose when you walk away from a W two job. You oftentimes lose that corporate, corporate sponsored or employee sponsored retirement plan, and so just being able to look look at what's available to somebody who is self employed as a retirement plan for them. So whether it's a SEP IRA, simple IRA, solo 401k, there's a ton of options out there with differing amounts of you know contribution rates. That is something that I would say is imperative moving forward. I, I know that a lot of realtors love to invest in real estate. It's what they know. It makes mm-hmm. sense. But uh, I think it's also extremely important, you know, just from even from like a, a tax write-off standpoint, to to look at what is available as far as retirement savings. And so, if you're saving for real estate, you can open a taxable account. Just start, you know, start investing. Twenty twenty one has not been the best, you know, advertisement for you know stock market investments or even bond investments. But, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> but it has created an opportunity to, to jump into the market. And so I would just say, you know, like, like you've already said, consider 2023 as a great opportunity, um, a time that you can, you can jump in at at a, at a discount, um, whether it's through taxable accounts that ultimately fund real estate investments in the future, or um, I would say more importantly, whether it's through uh, retirement uh, plans like IRAs or 401ks. Yeah, that's all. And I think, you know, I remember when when you met with me and Val, we kind of were like, oh, is, isn't this a terrible time to start investing? And it, it it wasn't pitchy at all. But you were like, no, it's actually 
a great time because you can get in while the market's low. And so I think that's, you know, I would encourage those listening as well, because just like I'm encouraging myself, right, is just because you're a realtor doesn't mean all your investments should be in real estate. You have to diversify. You have to have multiple things going on. And so, yeah, I, that's what I would say. So, Jonathan, we appreciate it. If someone, you know, maybe someone's listening to this, like I need a financial advisor, I need someone to help me, or they just want to even, you know, check out the blog, check out, get on your email list. What, Where can they find you and connect with you? Yeah, the best way is just to, to visit the website, evenkeel.com. And that's E-V-E-N-K-I-E-H-L. There's a blog on there. There is, you can, um, if you want to subscribe to the blog, I send that out usually bi-weekly. There's uh, some great tools uh, that I'm giving away for free. You know, you can sign up for financial planning tools, budgeting, um, net worth statements, uh, a lot of those uh, financial planning tools that I um, you can sign up for that are absolutely free. So just the the website, evenkeel.com is a great, great place to, to gather all that. I'm also on social media and that you can find from the website as well. Awesome. Well, I appreciate it so much. Thank you for your time. I know. Yeah. And I'm glad. I, I think this is just you know a different perspective for a lot of realtors. I have realtors on here. I have people saying, oh, go buy real estate. And I think it's nice to bring on, especially as we're about to go into the new year, someone talking about like, hey, here's some different options you can be doing. And, and yeah, real estate's great, but you should diversify. So appreciate you so much. <laughs> Thank you so much for how you have helped me and Val. Um, on our financial journey. And uh, thanks for coming on the show today. I know people are going to appreciate it and learn a lot. And we, we appreciate your time. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, John. Yeah. Hey, guys. Thanks so much for listening to this interview with Jonathan Keel. Jonathan, appreciate you so much for taking time and being our guest today as we closed out the podcast interviews for 2022. Just appreciate all the advice he had for you realtors out there as we close out the year and go into 2023. A few of my takeaways, I love how he kind of shares in his story and I love how it's similar to mine and that we worked other jobs and he just ended up realizing, hey, I could do this on my own, you know, and being willing to kind of step out in faith even doing a couple years at a branch and then stepping out to be, you know, a financial planner and investment planner on his own. And I just think, you know, as I heard him share more of his story, you know, the decision he made where he decided, you know, that he was going to do what was best for his career and best for his family is a great piece of advice for all of you out there that you should be doing that in your business. And I love how he you know, talked about that, how he now gets to live the career that he wants, live a fulfilling career and not just doing whatever someone else has for him. And I really hope that you guys, as you end 2022 and move into 2023, I hope that you are in a business where you can, like Jonathan, be making the decisions that are best for you and are best for your family. Um, and like he said, you know, getting to live the career that he wanted, not what someone else wanted. I hope you all are doing that. And if you're not, I hope you take 2023 and make it an opportunity where you make those decisions that are best for you, best for your family, not best for whoever's been you know, giving you orders for years at, at a job. So really appreciate that. I also love how Jonathan has been able to flex in his business. You know, we talked about, you know, COVID and, and all of the awful that came from that, but just seeing the opportunity there. You know, many people that I've talked to, right, many realtors out there got frustrated, sat on their couch, were upset that, you know, the governor shut down, the, you know, their city or their county and they couldn't do any work. 
But instead of doing that, you know, kind of seeing that as an opportunity, adjusting and saying, you know, make the making those adjustments in his business where he said, oh, you know, I'm realizing I don't need an office space a lot. Uh, you know, much of what I do can be done virtually. And so I hope that if you haven't made some of those adjustments to your business, and I know, you know, 95% of you have, but I talk to realtors every week who are, you know, are not doing things in a more virtual way. I hope that you can, you know, think about that in your real estate business. You know, today as I'm recording this, to get it over to my editor right before Christmas, uh, you know, had a few meetings today that probably would have taken, you know, probably two to three hours of driving if I went in person. But because because it's around the holidays and I just had a lot going on, I moved all those meetings to virtual meetings. So I probably would have been on the road with the meetings and driving from like one o'clock to seven o'clock. Um, but instead just had 45 minute, 50 minute meetings at two, three and 4 p.m. There was no driving. I didn't have two or three hours of wasted time in the car. And so I think the lesson there is just utilizing the resources that COVID showed us. Of course, Zoom, you know, being a big one, it existed beforehand, but the use went way up after COVID. Um, wasn't used much in real estate. A lot of in-person stuff happens. But I would just look like Jonathan did. How can you, with your business, do things virtually from your house, from your office at home, so if you haven't done that, I hope that you can, you know, take his advice and do that in your business basically ASAP, like immediately, because many of you who I talk to, you really need to do that. And a lot of you as well, you know, kind of like Jonathan was sharing as we talked about balance, you know, he wants time with his family and I struggle with this. I know many of you do, but you really need what I loved about what he's done is he has that, you know, office space in his home, right? When he goes there, it's for work. When he's not, it's family time. And so I would encourage you as well to have that dedicated space, have that dedicated time. I love that he tries to take Fridays off and have Friday not book anything, be a family day. And so I would really encourage you to have that dedicated space and have that dedicated family time as well. You know, as Jonathan was talking about how he's done things differently with clients, he talked about, you know, how a previous financial advisor he had worked under said, to clients, tell me a number of stories instead of telling me a story of numbers. I've seen this create success in his business and I've watched in my business and I've often said to you guys, I don't know <laughs> if you're all hearing it, but you're. I often say you are not a realtor, you're a storyteller. And so I would go back to that and ask yourself, what types of stories are you telling? You know, how are you reaching people with the stories? You know, we all work with people, their lives change when, you know, if they work with a great realtor. So are you telling those stories? Are you sharing those stories? I would really encourage you to share those stories and be in front of people with those stories. I could go on and on because Jonathan was such a great guest and had so much great advice, but loved what he said about, you know, being a realtor and finances. What, you know, what do you do with that? And how he talked about focusing on budgeting, thinking about your monthly expenses, um, and then making some of those hard decisions. And I love how he pointed out that 90% of our decisions that are financial are based on emotion. So it's going to be hard. It's going to be emotional. You just have to kind of make those hard decisions. Sometimes say no to some things that you want because it'll put you in a better financial position and it can be emotional, right? Nobody likes hearing no, but it can put you in a better financial position. So really loved his stuff about leadership as well, servant leadership, being intentional with others, and also how he talked about, you know, passing on wisdom, creating a legacy. Uh, you know, I loved how he said, I'm not here to build an empire, but I want to create a legacy for my kids, share wisdom with them. 
Um, really, really good stuff. And just to close it out, again, lots of great stuff in this episode, but I love how he talked about, you know, that advice to himself. And it was to stop discounting his own potential. And I would say that is like the perfect mic drop to close out our last interview of the year. Stop discounting your potential. As you go into the new year, I really hope that you can stop discounting your potential, that you can believe in yourself, and that you can use that belief in yourself and that trust in your abilities to be a great realtor to create a ton of success in your business. If you believe in yourself and if you can create relationships with clients where they feel valued, you will have success. So thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you for being with me all year on this podcasting journey. Thank you, Jonathan, for being such a great guest, great friend. And, you know, he's been awesome at helping me and my wife as we think about uh, investing. Very helpful. So make sure you check out what he's doing. Go to his website, evenkeel.com. So that's E-V-E-N-K-I-E-H-L.com. He'd love to connect and see how he can help you. You can check out his blog there. So appreciate you guys so much for listening. Thanks for being on this journey with me all year. I look forward to talking with you all on Friday as we close out the year with our year in review and then get ready to crush some big goals together in 2023. I'll talk to you guys later this week. Thanks for listening to the Real Estate Survival Guide. If you enjoyed this episode, we would appreciate it if you'd leave us a review on iTunes. It helps others discover the show. Thank you so much, and we will see you on the next episode.